Hello, and welcome to our second episode of the Innovation on Main podcast. This episode is brought to you by the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing, where just this past month, one of the college's undergraduate students was a part of a three-person team that won first prize at the Siemens Health and Years International Innovation Think Tank competition. With the support of mentors both within the college, university, and local Columbia community, this student created a stroke identification app the best ideas from innovators across the world and sent him home from Germany with some nice pocket cash and a big old trophy. Visit the college's website today to learn more about the many unique opportunities like this that the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing has to offer its students. Now, I'm your host, Abe Danaher, and today I'll be joined by Ben Schooley, an Associate Professor of Integrated Information Technology at the University of South Carolina. Ben's expertise is at the intersection of humans and computers, where he studies how their interaction should take place and how to make it so that humans benefit from the technology they are interacting with. Right now, he is creating apps to help the thousands of children in the state of South Carolina's foster care system and elderly cancer survivors across the country. Today, we'll be getting into a lot of topics ranging from data security to healthcare technology to some good things that might actually come out of that dusty Alexa in the corner of your bedroom that you haven't touched since you took it out of the box last Christmas. So, without further ado, let's cue the music and get this show on the road. Hey, Ben. I know your life's been a little hectic between traveling to Boston and meetings galore. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So when you're in Boston, did you get to go to like a Red Sox game or anything like that? No, they were playing, but I did not. Hit. I, I was there with my, I took my daughter and uh, she's not a baseball fan. So <laughs> Was that her first time to Boston? It was. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, I'd love to really get talking about the app you're creating for the South Carolina Department of Social Services. Mm-hmm. You're helping with foster care in the state of South Carolina. What does this app aim to do? And why did you feel like it was necessary and important? Well, this project started a few years ago uh, from a student, from a master student that I had uh, in one of my classes. Uh, he's a, uh, he was a social worker. He worked with um, foster kids as a kind of peer mentor. And, uh, and he was in, our, in my class, my uh, systems analysis and design class, which, is foc- which focuses on innovating. So taking ideas that are uh, social problems and thinking about how technology can solve them. And he said, you know what, I have this great idea. I'm meeting with uh, foster kids all the time. And a major challenge we have is that foster kids move from home to home quite frequently or from place to place, and often it's difficult to uh, have their their information, their education information, their health information, even basic things like when the last time was that they went to the dentist, right? Basic information that you need to, to care for a child, and and uh, and he said it's a, it's a challenge across the country. It's not just a South Carolina thing, and uh, so that's where the the idea kind of started started forming. Um, went to uh, some colleagues at uh, the College of Social Work, Dr. Kristen C., who uh, works, uh, all of her work is, is or quite a bit of her work is, is closely related to uh, foster, the foster care system. And I uh, went to her and, and together uh, with her and some other colleagues, we, uh, we went to the Duke Endowment 
with a grant proposal, said, hey, we'd like to create a information exchange, uh, a, tech, a technology or set of technologies that would be able to pull in information from uh, healthcare records, from education records, and provide it in a way that could really create a good user experience for foster parents to know what information or to have the most valuable information about those kids. And, and uh, the uh, Duke Endowment thought it was a great idea. We were funded and uh, now we're working with great partners. So we work with uh, the Department of uh, Social Services here in South Carolina, great partner. And they have, they have a goal of really um, making the best foster care system they can, right? Really helping uh, parents, helping children. And so we have the same goal. Right? We've got resources to be able to uh, think through uh, frameworks, the technologies, what would be the best way to approach the problem. And, uh, and really my, my hope is that we can create a really good uh, web-based uh, user experience so that foster parents can care better for these, uh, for these children. Great. So when that master's student approached you with that idea for the first time, what was your initial response? Did you think it was a great idea from the bat or did you kind of push back on it? Um, I, I, don't, I don't typically push back on an idea. Um, I think that's an important part of innovation, right, is, um, is to listen. Uh, to listen to the idea. I don't. I didn't know much about the foster care system. Well, I mean, what do I know? Uh, so I listened to this this guy who had experience actually working in the field. Uh, my 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 experience is that if people are genuinely talking about a problem that they've experienced in the field, that there's something there. It, the problem may need to be worked out a little bit. May need to be thought through. Um, you might you know, typically need to do some research and find out what uh, evidence there is to support the problem. But initially, you listen and think it through. And uh, and so that's what we did. And how did you see that idea from that first time he approached you? How did you see it evolve to where it is now? What was that process like? Well, he used it as a class project. That's okay. so cool. So in my classes, um, experiential learning, hands-on learning, is is what I love, what I love to do, and students eat it up, mm. right? So um, he used it as a class project. I In my class, I take them through the process of design, of innovating a product from, you know, initial conceptualization, the idea through to um, a, a prototype, right? And so he went through that process throughout a semester and created a kind of basic prototype of what an app might look like to help uh, to help with this uh, in this scenario. Great. And so you, you mentioned the problems he saw mm-hmm. in the system. What are those problems that are facing these foster children and even the foster parents or the system itself? Uh, well, the problems that we're focused on is um, a problem that we see in, across many industries. Right? Healthcare is is an industry uh, that's that's a great example of this concept of health information exchange. Right, if I go to another state, if I was, you know, I was in Boston just over the weekend, if I had to go to the emergency, emergency department uh, in Massachusetts, they couldn't get my medical records electronically here from uh, South Carolina. Um, there are some states that have developed better systems to be able to pull in at, uh, that, uh, the essential healthcare information about a patient so they have it right there, you know, immunizations, uh, allergies, medications are on, essential information. Uh, for the safety of that patient. So that kind of concept is, is 
developing and building across the country, thought, well, you know, this would be a scenario or a, a use case with uh, foster kids where that could really be be helpful. So that's what we're trying to do is bring in that inf- information that can help with essential decision making for the children, for what healthcare they need, what education they need. Great. And I think it's important that I point this out. Like, I think a lot of people hear app and they think Snapchat, they think there's streak on Snapchat, they think Facebook, but this is necessary. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the difference between a foster student staying on an education plan. This is the difference between them showing up to a new foster family and that family knowing they have a peanut allergy. They can't have that. It's the difference between knowing if they need to go to an immunization to go to class that first day. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in how important this is? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it's important. In some ways, I, I think um, listeners may be thinking, well, this is, why isn't this already there, right? Um, and, and there's many reasons for that. There, there's challenges with, uh, um, with for their technological, trying to get uh, one system to talk to another. Uh, there's uh, political, there's privacy reasons, information security. There's all kinds of uh, barriers and challenges to being able to get something like this together. But in, in, in a way, this is a natu- what we might consider a natural progression. Of course, we need to get that information for the safety, for the uh, quality care of, of, these, of these kids. I mean, part of um, what's so enjoyable about my job right, is um, it's a- applied research. Uh, you can observe the world around, right, and see what are the uh, what are the possible futures, right? Immediate, near-term futures, and long-term futures, and um, that that should be there, or that uh, or that a natural progression would take us there. Uh, if we can observe that and analyze that, we can say, well, those don't exist yet, so let's do them right now. Right? And what does that future look like? For these, for the system, for these kids, what does it look like if your app goes exactly how you want it to? So we want, to, I mean, generally speaking, better healthcare and uh, and better education for these kids. We want the parents, the foster parents, to be able to uh, feel confident in the care that they're providing for the foster kids. We want uh, the the stewards of the Foster, kid, foster children system, which is the Department of Social Services, to be able to have confidence that uh, these kids are being taken care of. Right? We, information is an essential component of that. Accurate, you know, quality information, timely information is absolutely essential to having that. And that's, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Great. Great. Now, I'd also like to talk about a different app, mm-hmm. one that you're working on that's going to help elderly cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you first told me about it, it kind of hit a soft spot for me. And I think it will for, I think for a lot of people, I think everyone knows a grandparent or a parent or a neighbor or a family member that was touched by cancer, sadly. Um, how will this technology that you're creating, walk us through how will this actually improve the health of these cancer survivors? So the goal of this, of this particular app that you're talking about right, is uh, to increase physical activity or to motivate physical activity, so exercise among cancer survivors. We know that, that uh, exercise improves uh, uh, medical and health outcomes, uh, better uh, survivability. Um, you got fewer uh, problem, uh, other healthcare uh, or other uh, diseases down the road, 
<clears throat> and uh, recovery is better uh, just from, from exercise, from physical activity. Uh, so we're trying to see how technologies can be applied to motivate that and improve that. This, this project is an earlier phase project than the one that we just talked about. Right? And what I mean by that is we're, we're looking at some technologies that we don't know whether they're going to make have an effect or not, but we're going through our design science processes to see if we can um, if we can have that positive effect of increased physical activity, uh, lowering the cost of, of care, and uh, increasing the quality of of, uh, of health of these of these cancer survivors. So we're so we're applying uh, artificial intelligence, uh, voice assisted technologies to see if that can be uh, those can be uh, utilized and useful, provide a really good user experience for for these uh, cancer survivors. So how would it actually work? How would it work with the artificial intelligence, the Alexa? I think a lot of people hear those words. Artificial intelligence, I think for a lot of people, might just be a buzzword. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alexa is that annoying thing that goes on when you say it's Alexa's name. Mm-hmm. How is this actually going to help people? That's a, that's a great question. So this is not just an engineering problem. Right? This is a social, it's a healthcare, it's a process uh, challenge. Right? So again, with this project, uh, it's not just a bunch of engineers thinking, okay, how can we make Alexa really cool, right? Or, uh, you know, to work really super efficiently. That's, that's not uh, what we're just focused on. We're working with um, Dr. Pinto from the College of Nursing, whose prior research is on cancer survivors. And she developed a two-week program, two weeks to kind of try and create a habit that was phone-based, where nurses are calling up uh, patients, uh, cancer survivors, and providing phone-based, you know, reminders. Hey, how was your physical activity? How was your exercise th- uh, today? Right? Um, okay, you didn't exercise as much today. Well, tomorrow is another day. You can do it. You know, providing motivational information, providing uh, education. Well, do you know um, why we're trying to motivate you to, you know, exercise more? So this is a phone-based program. So our our first step is to take this phone-based program and see if Alexa can do that. All right, so Alexa, hey, are you there? Right, and they respond, and I, uh, I see that your physical activity today that you had uh, 500 steps. Your goal was 2,000. Right, see if there's a response. Right, it's okay. You know, tomorrow's another day. Right, how how about we set a goal for tomorrow? All right, so th- we want Alexa to be, uh, be engaging in this dialogue with patients. Okay. And so we've, we're, we're building that out for patients to actually uh, to use and see if we can't try and humanize this, uh, you know, this motivational process of it. Great. And what happens if, uh, if you, they're not there? If Alexa's just talking to an empty room, do, do you have plans for how it's going to work? <laughs> we are going to annoy the heck. <laughs> so, uh, it, Alexa keeps checking back. So I, I've got this great uh, data scientist uh, staff, uh, Prashant Dehoon, who has really worked hard on this, on trying to uh, you know build in how Alexa will respond in various scenarios. And right now, we just have it generic to if they don't respond, check back in ten minutes. And keep checking back and keep checking back. So 
Uh, my experience is that uh, that's probably not going to be the best uh, end game. <laughs> if they have a dog, that dog might get pretty sick of hearing Alexa while they're yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we've got to find other ways uh, to address that in the future. This is our first phase. So in the future, certainly uh, we might use uh, sensors, uh, you know, IoT devices and sensors for uh, Alexa to know uh, where someone is um, if they're at home. This is all home-based, mm-hmm. home-based care concept, right? Uh, people aging in place at home, uh, not going out to the hospital all the time, not having uh, nurses necessarily come in every single day. Uh, so addressing the cost aspect of, uh, of, of healthcare. Um, but, uh, there's other technologies I'm sure we'll have to bring into the mix to try and uh, make it, uh, useful and not annoying. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's like, those are two really interesting apps. And I think a lot of people will wonder, how do you get into designing apps for Alexa? How do you get into that? And I know your background is actually as an English major in undergrad, how did you get into this technology field as an English major? <laughs> what brought you there? Well, my, my original plan was to go to law school. So, uh, but I got into uh, the workplace and uh, started working with technology and, uh, and, and loved it. Um, and uh, besides that, I was going to the corporate, uh, uh, the, the corporate, um, uh, uh, lawyers, <laughs> it scared me off. Then the whole name lawyer scared me off. <laughs> I'd go to the lawyers every day or quite often uh, to ask about different questions. This company was the dot-com era. It was growing quite rapidly and I needed to get advice from them. And, and they'd, uh, they kept telling me, why do you want to be a lawyer? We hate our jobs. <laughs> so my dad told me. <laughs> He's a lawyer. So I thought, well, you know, I enjoy this technology stuff. Um, I, I, I enjoyed in particular the design of it. So we're an expanding company. We had to constantly figure out how to uh, build out uh, our technology software services to um, be deployable in different parts of the world. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. So I went back to school. Uh, and from there, worked with uh, great people. Uh, mentors who taught me about uh, uh, design science and and designing user experiences uh, with technology, which is uh, bringing in the social aspect, right, um, human aspect of of um, of improving systems and merging that with uh, various technologies that could uh, be utilized to solve solve those problems. So, from mobile apps to uh, desktop software systems to uh, um, uh, to uh, artificial intelligence. Do you still find yourself going back to those roots, even in this technology field that you're in? Do you find yourself going back to those liberal art roots when you're thinking about this? Absolutely. Yeah, the English, the humanities, the arts, it's about uh, the human experience. It's about um, you know what is important in the human experience. Um, understanding how we connect as individuals, how we improve as individuals and and that is absolutely important to me. That's essential to me in my work that I know that there's going to be some something of value to people uh, to improving human experience through the application of technology. Because we have plenty of experiences where technology is not beneficial. There are harms, right? Uh, the, the, the do no harm uh, policy is and mantra is, is very, very important. But beyond that, I believe technology really can make a, a difference, a positive difference, if designed well, right? And it can only be designed well through in, 
in, from my experience through, through rigor, through applying really uh, well-known evidence-based uh, frameworks and processes to truly understand what the problem is and what the po best possible solutions are. Now, I think that's a pretty good segue into a segment that I did last time and I really enjoy. I still haven't named it, um, but I'm just going to call it for now. I'm going to call it the question that everyone thinks, but that not that many people really have the answer to. Um, you mentioned the harms that can come from this technology, but also the benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, but just this last week, we had the news of the Capital One hack breakout. A couple weeks before that, we had the settlement with the FTC um, and Facebook over data and privacy. So even if I trust you with these apps and your intentions with them, which I do, uh, mm -hmm. how do I know that the data that you're going to be using in your app isn't going to go into the wrong hands like we're seeing so many times in the news? It's a major challenge that, uh, that we have is um, you can't know 100% that your data will always be safe. Right? It's just the reality. Uh, security, information security, data security is a moving target. Um, uh, there's plenty of people out there who are constantly trying to find new ways to, to, to hack, uh, to uh, use uh, social engineering uh, methods to try and get at, at your data. Um, all we can do is um, all we can do is apply the very best, uh, latest and greatest methodologies to make sure that we're doing um, our very best to keep it safe. It, it's, it's important, it's essential to keep data safe, especially in, in the field I work in, it, work in is almost all healthcare data. Right? Who wants their healthcare data to get out, right? No, I mean, no one, no one, I don't want my health, healthcare data to get out, right? So, uh, but there are, um, there are best practices to apply, right? And, uh, and we have to do that, we have to be diligent at that. That's part of what has to be integrated into the design of everything that I do is uh, thinking through what are, what are the risks? For a few different projects, I work with Dr. Farkas in uh, computer science, who is a cybersecurity expert. And, uh, and, that's what, and that's what she's doing for a few different projects, is she's uh, investigating the risks, the information security risks of, um, of the applications that, and systems that we're implementing. So uh, we have to keep using those experts and applying uh, those best methodologies to do our very best to keep the information safe. Right, but I, I wish I could say there was a, you know, a hundred percent, you know, a foolproof solution. Um, there isn't, but there, but there are really good ones that we can apply. Great, great. Well, I think we're going to start to wrap this thing up. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say to the listeners about anything we've talked about? Your apps or even your classes, your students, your time in the classroom, um, or just a message that you'd like to leave in their minds before we wrap this thing up and get going? Absolutely. I think um, for students, um, I love to see students get engaged in innovation. Uh, in the workshops that we do through the Innovation Think Tank Lab here at the University of South Carolina, uh, in, uh, in my classes, or get engaged in uh, in my projects. I have students engaged in all of uh, various projects that I have uh, developing applications. I love to see uh, students get involved uh, with uh, applying their creativity, uh, very creative thinking, brilliant thinking, 
uh, and, uh, and and making really neat stuff that makes my job, you know, the, the best job in the world for me is <laughs> is uh, so enjoyable. For for me to design something is is enjoyable, but the best designs come out of collaboration with uh, uh, different uh, alternative thoughts and different thinking, different colleagues from uh, different disciplines. And I, I enjoy that, and I. I just encourage anyone who is interested in, in designing anything, it doesn't have to be just technology, to, uh, to, to get involved, you know, to participate in, uh, in innovation within the university. Great. Great. Well, thanks for coming on to the Innovation on Main podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, to all the people who listened last week and decided this was good enough to give another shot, uh, thank you. I hope it, we really didn't disappoint today. Uh, to all of our new listeners, I hope you learned a little something from today's episode. And if you did... Uh, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple, and then you'll be able to hear the next one. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Ben, and I can't wait to see the benefits his apps will bring to me and my loved ones in the future. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah.